0: Chapter 6 Chapter In Chapter 6, Summer comes to a close, and the night before Dill leaves, the children attempt one last plan to get Boo out of the house. The plan goes awry, and Jem loses his pants. "'Yes,' said our father, when Jem asked him if we could go over and sit by Miss Rachel's fish pool with Dill." "'as this was his last night in Maycomb. "'Tell him so long for me, and we'll see him next summer.' "'Dill stretched, yawned, and said altogether too casually, "'I know what. Let's go for a walk.' "'He he sounded fishy to me. "'Nobody in Maycomb just went for a walk. "'Where to, Dill?' "'Dill jerked his head in a southerly direction. "'Jem said, "'Okay,' When I protested, he said sweetly, you don't have to come along, Angel May. You don't have to go, remember? Jem was not one to dwell on past defeats. It seemed the only message he got from Atticus was insight into the art of cross-examination. Scout, we ain't gonna do anything. We're just going to the streetlight and back. We strolled silently down the sidewalk, listening to porch swings creaking with the weight of the neighborhood, listening to the soft night murmurs of the grown people on our street. Occasionally, we heard Miss Stephanie Crawford laugh. Well, said Dill. Okay, said Jem. Why don't you go on home, Scout? What are you going to do? Dill and Jem were simply going to peep in the window with the loose shutter to see if they could get a good look at Boo Radley. And if I didn't want to go with them, I could go straight home and keep my fat, flopping mouth shut. That was all. But what if the Sam-Holy-Hill did you wait till tonight? Because nobody could see them at night. Because Atticus would be so deep in in a book, he wouldn't hear the kingdom coming. Because if Boo Radley killed them, they'd miss school instead of vacation. And because it was easier to see inside a dark house in the dark than in the daytime. Did I understand? Gem, please. Scout, I'm telling you for the last time, shut your trap or go home. I declare to the Lord you're getting more like a girl every day. With that, I had no option but to join them. We thought it was better to go under the high wire fence at the rear of the Radley lot. We stood less chance of being seen. The fence enclosed a large garden and a narrow wooden outhouse. Jem held up the bottom wire and motioned Dill under it. I followed and helped up the wire for Jim. It was a tight squeeze for him. Don't make a sound, he whispered. Don't get in a row of collards. Whatever you do, they'll wake the dead. With this thought in mind, I made perhaps one step per minute. I moved faster when I saw Jem far behind, beckoning in the, in the moonlight. He, we came to the gate that divided the garden from the backyard. Jem touched it. The gate squeaked. Spit on it, whispered Dill. You've got us... "'You've got us in a box, Jem,' I murmured. "'We can't get out of here so easy. "'Shh! Spit on it, Scout!' "'We spat ourselves dry, and Jim opened the gate slowly, "'lifting it aside and resting it on the fence. "'We were in the backyard. "'The back of the Radley house was less inviting than the front. "'A ramshackle porch ran the width of the house. "'There were two doors and two dark windows between the doors.' Instead of a column, a rough two-by-four supported one end of the roof. An old Franklin stove sat in the corner of the po- porch. Above it, hat-rack mirror caught the moon and shone eerily. Ar said Jen, softly lifting his foot. Smatter! Chickens, he breathed. That we would be... Obligated to dodge the unseen from all direction was confirmed when Dill ahead of us spelled G-O-D in a whisper. We crept to the side of the house, round to the window with the hanging shutter. The sill was several inches taller than Jem. Give you a head up, he muttered to Dill. Wait, though. Jem grabbed his left wrist and my right wrist. I grabbed my left wrist and Jem's right wrist. We crouched. "'and Dill sat on our saddle. "'We raised him and we caught the windowsill. "'Hurry,' Jem whispered. We can't last much longer.' "'Dill punched my shoulder and we lowered him to the ground. "'What'd you see?' "'Nothing. "'Curtains. "'There's a little teeny light way off somewhere, though. "'Let's get away from here,' breathed Jem. "'Let's go round and back again.' "'Shh,' he warned me as I was about to protest. "'Let's try the back window.' Dill, no, I said. Dill stopped and let Jem go ahead. When Jem put his foot on the bottom step, the step squeaked. He stood still, then tried his weight in, by degrees. The step was silent. Jem skipped two steps, put his foot on the porch, heaved himself to it, and teetered a long moment. He regained his balance and dropped to his knees. He crawled to the window, raised his, te- raised his head, and looked in. Then I saw the shadow. It was the shadow of a man with a hat on. At first I thought it was a tree, but there was no wind blowing and the tree trunks never walked. The back porch was bathed in moonlight and the shadow, crisp as toast, moved across the porch towards Jem. Dill saw it next. He put his hands on his face. When it crossed Jem, Jem saw it. "'He put his arms over his head and went rigid. "'The shadow stopped about a foot beyond Jem. "'Its arms came out from the from its side, dropped, and it was still. "'Then it turned and moved back across Jem, "'walked along the porch and off the side of the house, "'returning as it had come.' "'Jem leaped off the porch and galloped towards us. "'He flung open the gate, danced Dill and me through, "'and shoot us between two rows of swishing collards. "'Halfway through the collards, I tripped. "'As I tripped, the roar of a shotgun shattered the neighborhood. "'Dill and Jem dived between, beside me. "'Jem's breath came in sobs. "'Fence! By the schoolyard! Hurry, Scout!' "'Jem held the bottom wire.' Dill and I rolled through and were halfway to the shelter of the schoolyard solitary oak when we sensed that Jem was not with us. We ran back and found him struggling in the fence, kicking his pants off to get loose. We ran to the oak tree, and he ran to the oak tree in his shorts. Had Jem's pants been safely on him, we would have not slept much anyway. Every night night sound I heard from my cot on the back porch was magnified threefold. Every scratch of feet on gravel was Boo Radley seeking revenge. Every passing person laughing in the night was Boo Radley, loose and after us. Insects splashing against the screen were Boo Radley's insane fingers picking the wires to pieces. The chinaberry trees were malignant hovering alive I lingered between sleep and wakefulness until I heard Jem murmured sleep little three eyes are you crazy Shh, Atticus's lights out in the in the waning moonlight I saw Jem swing his feet to the floor I'm going after him he said I sat upright you can't I won't let you he was struggling into a shirt I've got to "'You do and I'll wake up, Atticus. "'You do and I'll kill you.' "'I pulled him down beside me on the cot. "'I tried to reason with him. "'Mr. Nathan's gonna find him in the morning, Jem. "'He knows you lost him. "'When he shows him to Atticus, it'll be pretty bad. "'That's all there is to it. "'Going back to bed.' "'That's what I know,' said Jem. "'That's why I'm going after him.' "'I begin to feel sick. "'Going back to that place by himself?' I remembered Miss Stephanie. Mister Nathan had the other barrel waiting for the next sound he heard. Be it a person, dog, Jem knew that I, Jem knew that better than I. I was desperate. Look, it ain't worth it, Jem. A lickin' hurts, but it doesn't last. You'll get your head shot off, Jem. Please. He blew out his breath patiently. "'I... it's like this, Scout,' he muttered. "'Atticus ain't ever whipped me since I can remember. "'I want to keep it that way.' "'This was thought. "'It seemed that Atticus threatened us every other day. "'You mean you've never caught... "'You mean he's never caught you at anything?' "'Maybe so, but I just want to keep it that way, Scout. "'We shouldn't have done that tonight, Scout.' "'It was then, I suppose, that Gemini and I first began to part company.' Sometimes I did not understand him, but my periods of bewilderment were short-lived. This was beyond me. Please, I pleaded. Can it just wait? Think about it for a minute. By yourself? On that place? Shut up. It's not like he'd never speak to you again or something. I'm going to wake him up, Jem. I swear, I am. Jem grabbed my pajama collar and retched it tight. Then I'm going with you, I choked. No, you ain't. You'll just make noise. It was no use. I unlatched the back door and held it while he crept down the steps. It must have been two o'clock. The moon was setting and the latticework shadows were fading into fuzzy nothingness. Jem's white shirt tail dipped and bobbed like a small ghost dancing away to escape the coming morning. A faint breeze stirred and cooled the sweat running down my sides. He went the back way through Deer's pasture, across the schoolyard, and around to the fence. I thought at least there was a way he was headed. It took, it would take longer, so it was not time to worry yet. I waited until it was time to worry and listened to Mr. Radley's shotgun. Then I thought I heard the back fence squeak. It was wishful thinking. Then I heard Atticus cough. I held my breath. Sometimes when we made a midnight pilgrimage to the bathroom, he would fi- we would find him reading. He said he often woke up during the night, checked on us, and read himself back to sleep. I waited for his light to go on, straining my eyes to see it flood the hall. It stayed off, and I breathed again. The night crawlers had retired, but ripe china berries drummed on the roof when the wind stirred, and the darkness was desolate with the barking of distant dogs there he was returning to me his white shirt bobbed over the back fence and slowly grew larger he came up the back steps latched the door behind him and sat on his cot wordlessly he held up his pants he lay down and for a while i heard his cot trembling soon he was still i did not hear him stir again Chapter 7 The new school year has begun, but Jem is withdrawn. Scout gets to the bottom of his funk. Jem stayed moody and silent for a week. As Atticus had once advised me to do, I tried to climb into Jem's skin and walk around in it. If I had gone alone to the Radley place at 2 in the morning, my funeral would have been held the next afternoon, so I left Jem alone and tried not to bother him. School started. The second grade was bad was as bad as the first only worse they still flashed cards at you and wouldn't let you read or write Miss Caroline's progress next door could be estimated by the frequency of laughter however the usual crew had flunked the first grade again and were helpful in keeping order the only thing good about the second grade was that this year I had to stay I had to stay as late as Jem and we usually walked home together at 3 o'clock. One afternoon when we were crossing the schoolyard toward home, Jem suddenly said, There's something I didn't tell you. As this was his first complete sentence in several days, I encouraged him. About what? About that night. You never told me anything about that night, I said. Jem waved my words again as if fanning gnats. He was silent for a while, then he said, When I went back for my britches, they were all in a tangle when I was getting them out. I couldn't get them loose. When I went back, Jem took a deep breath. When I went back, they were folded across the fence, like they were expecting me. Across. And something else, Jem's voice was flat. Show you when we get home. They'd been sewing up, not like a lady sewed them, like something I'd try to do, all crooked and almost like somebody knew you were coming back for them. Chapter eight. Chapter eight takes place in the winter and the weather is highly unusual. It snows and that night Miss Maudie's house catches on fire. Scout and Jem watch as the entire community pitches in to try and save as much of her belongings as possible. Meanwhile, a mysterious stranger places a blanket on Scout. For reasons unfathomable to the most experienced prophets in Macomb County, autumn turned to winter that year. We had two weeks of the coldest weather since 1885, Atticus said. Mr. Avery said it was written on the Rosetta Stone that when children disobeyed their parents, smoked cigarettes, and made war on each other, the seasons would change. Jem and I were burdened with the guilt of contributing to the aberrations of nature, thereby causing unhappiness to our neighbors and discomfort to ourselves. Old Mrs. Radley died that winter, but her death caused hardly a ripple. The neighborhood seldom saw her except when she watered her her cannas. Gemini decided that Boo had got her at last, but when Atticus returned from the Radley house, he said she died of natural causes, to our disappointment. Next morning I awoke, looked out the window, and nearly died of fright. My screams brought Atticus from the from his bathroom, half shaven. The world's ending Atticus, please do something I dragged him to the window and pointed. No, it's not, he said. It's snowing. Jem and Atticus would keep it up. Jem had never seen snow either, but he but he knew what it was. Atticus said he didn't know any more about snow than Jem did. I think, though, if it's watery like that, it'll turn into rain. The telephone rang, and Atticus left, for, left the breakfast table to answer it. That, that was Eula May," he said when he returned. I quote... As it has not snowed in Maycomb County since eighteen eighty-five, there will be no school today. Eula May was Maycomb's leading telephone operator. She was entrusted with issuing public announcements, wedding invitations, setting off the fire the fire siren, and giving first aid instructions when Doctor Reynolds was away. When Atticus finally called us to order and bade us to look at our plates instead of uh, instead of out the windows, Jem asked. How do you make a snowman? I haven't the slightest idea, said Atticus. I don't want you all to be disappointed, but I doubt if there'll be enough snow for a snowball even. Calpurnia came in and said she thought it was sticking. When we ran to the backyard, it was, it was covered with a, with a feeble layer of soggy snow. When Atticus came home that evening, he said we were in for it and asked Calpurnia if she wanted to stay with us for the night. Calpurnia glanced up at the high ceilings and long windows and said she thought she'd be warmer at her house. Atticus drove her home in the car. Before I went to sleep, Atticus put more coal on the fire in my room. He said the thermostat registered 16, that it was the coldest night in his memory, and that our snowman outside was frozen solid. Minutes later, it seemed I was awakened by someone shaking me. Atticus's overcoat was spread across me. "'Is it morning already?' "'Baby, get up!' Atticus was holding out my bathrobe and coat. "'Put your robe on first, he said. Jem was standing beside Atticus, groggy and tousled. He was holding his overcoat closed at the neck. His other hand was jammed into his pocket. He looked strangely overweight. "'Hurry, hun,' said Atticus. "'Here are your shoes and socks.' Stupidly, I put them on. "'Is it morning?' "'No, it's a little after one. Hurry now.' "'That something was wrong finally got through to me. "'What's the matter?' "'By then he did not have to tell me. "'Just as the birds know where to go when it rains, "'I knew when there was trouble on our street. "'Soft taffeta-like sounds and muffled scurrying sounds "'filled me with helpless dread. "'Whose is it?' "'Miss Maudie's, Hun said Atticus gently.' "'At the front door, we saw fire spewing from Miss Maudie's dining-room windows. "'As to confirm what we saw, the town fire siren wailed up the, the scale to a treble pitch "'and remained there, screaming. "'It's gone, ain't it?' moaned Jem. "'I expect so,' said Atticus. "'Now listen, both of you. Go down and stand in front of the Radley Place. "'Keep out of the way, do you hear? See which way the wind's blowing.' "'Oh,' said Jem. Atticus reckoned we ought to start moving the furniture out. Not yet, son. Do as I tell you. Run now. Take care of Scout, you hear? Don't let her out of your sight. With a push, Atticus started us toward the Radley front gate. We stood watching the street fill with men and cars while fire silently devoured Miss Maudie's house. Why don't they hurry? Why don't they hurry? muttered Jem. We saw why the old fire truck, killed by the cold, was being pushed from t- from town by a crowd of men. When the men attached its hose to a hydrant, the hose burst and water shut up, tingling down on the pavement. Oh, Lord, Jem! Jem put his arm around me. Hush, Scout, he said. It ain't time to worry yet. I'll let you know when. The men of Maycomb, in all degrees of dress and undress, took furniture from Miss Maudie's house to a yard across the street. I saw Atticus carrying Miss Maudie's heavy oak rocking chair and thought it sensible of him to save what she valued most. Sometimes we heard shouts. Then Mr. Avery's face appeared in the upstairs window. He pushed a mattress out the window into the street and threw down furniture until men shouted, "Come down from there, Dick! the st- The stairs are going to get are going. Get out of there, Mr. Avery!" Mr. Avery began climbing through the window. "'Scout, he's stuck,' breathed Jem. "'Oh, God!' Mr. Avery was wedged tightly. "'I buried my head under Jem's arm and didn't look again until Jem cried. "'He's got loose, Scout! He's all right!' "'I looked up to see Mr. Avery cross the upstairs porch. "'He swung his legs over the railing and was sliding down a pillar when he slipped. "'He fell, yelled, and hit Miss Maudie's shrubbery.' Suddenly, I noticed that the men were backing away from Miss Maudie's house, moving down the street towards us. They were no longer carrying furniture. The fire was well into the second floor and had eaten its way to the roof. The window frames were black against a vivid orange center. Jem, it's looking like a pumpkin. Scout, look! Smoke was rolling off the house and Miss Rachel's house like fog off a riverbank. The men were pulling hoses toward them. Behind us, a fire truck from Abbotsford screamed around the curve and stopped in front of our house. That book, I said. What? Said Jem. That Tom Swift book. It ain't mine. It's Dill's. Don't worry, Scout. It ain't time to worry yet, said Jem. He pointed. Look, look a yonder. In a group of neighbors, Atticus was standing with his hands over his over in his overcoat pockets. He might have been watching a football game. Miss Maudie was beside him. See there? He's not worried yet, said Jem. Why ain't he on top one of the houses? He's too old. He'd break his neck. You think we ought to make him get our stuff out? Let's not, let's don't pester him. He'll know when it's time, said Jem. The Abbotsford fire truck began pumping water on our house. A man on the roof pointed to places that needed it most. I watched our absolute morphodite go black and crumble. Miss Mottie's sun hat settled on the top of the heap. I could not see her hedge clippers. In the heat between our house, Miss Rachel and Miss Maudie's, the men had long ago shed coats and bathrooms, bathrobes. They, work, they worked in pajama tops and night shirts stuffed into their pants, but I became aware that I was slowly freezing where I stood. Jem tried to keep me warm, but his arm was not enough. I pulled free of it and clutched my shoulders. By dancing a little, I could feel my feet. Another fire truck appeared and stopped in front of Miss Stephanie Crawford's. There was no hydrant for the another hose, and the men tried to soak her house with hand extinguishers. Gemini slid across the street. Miss Maudie was staring at the smoking black hole in her yard, and Atticus shook his head to tell us she did not want to talk. He led us home, holding on to our shoulders to cross the icy street. He and Miss Maudie would stay with Miss Stephanie for the time being. "'Anybody want some hot chocolate?' he asked. "'I shuddered when Atticus started a fire in the kitchen stove. "'As we drank our cocoa, I noticed Atticus looking at me, first with curiosity, then with sternness. "'I thought I told you and Jem to stay put,' he said. "'Why, we did. We stayed. "'Then whose blanket is that?' "'Blanket? Yes, ma'am, blanket. It isn't ours.' "'I looked down and found myself clutching a brown woolen blanket "'I was wearing around my shoulders, squaw fashion.' "'Atticus, I don't know, sir. I... I turned to Jem for an answer, but Jem was even more bewildered than I. He said he didn't know how it got there. We did exactly as Atticus had told us. We stood down by the Radley Gate, away from everybody. We didn't move an inch.' Jem stopped. "'Mr. Nathan was at the fire,' he babbled. "'I saw him. I saw him. He was tugging that mattress. Atticus, I swear.' "'That's all right, son,' Atticus grinned slowly. Looks like all Maycomb was out tonight, in one way or another. Jem, there's some wrapping paper in the pantry. I think. Go get it, and will. Atticus, no, sir. Jem seemed to have lost his mind. He began pouring out our secrets right and left, in total disregard for my safety, if not for his own. Omitting nothing, not whole pants and all. Atticus said, "Woe, son," so gently that I greatly, that I was greatly heartened. It was obvious that he had not followed a word Jem said, for all Atticus said was, you're right, we'd better keep this and the blanket to ourselves. Someday maybe Scout can thank him for covering her up. Thank who, I ask? Boo Radley, you were so busy looking at the fire, you didn't know it when he put the blanket around you. My stomach turned to water and I nearly threw up when Jem held out the blanket and crept toward me. He sneaked out of the house, turned round, sneaked up, and went like this. Atticus said dryly, Do not let this inspire you to go further glory, Jeremy. Jem scowled, I ain't going to do anything to him, but I watched the spark of fresh adventure leave his eyes. Just think, Scout, he said. If you'd just turned around, you'd have seen him. Calpurnia woke us at noon. Atticus had said we need not go to school that day. We learned nothing after no sleep. "'Calpurnia said for us to try to clean up the front yard. "'Miss Maudie's sun hat was suspended in a thin layer of ice, "'like a fly in amber, "'and we had to dig under the dirt for her hedge clippers. "'We found her in her backyard gazing at her frozen, charred azaleas. "'We're bringing back your things, Miss Maudie said Jem. "'We're awful sorry.' "'Miss Maudie looked around, "'and the shadow of her old grin crossed her face.' "'Always wanted a smaller house, Jem Finch. "'Gives me more yard. "'Just think. "'I'll have more room for my azaleas now.' "'You ain't grieving, Miss Maudie?' "'I asked, surprised. "'Atticus said her house was nearly all she had. "'Grieven, child? "'Why, I hated that old cow barn. "'Thought of setting fire to it a hundred times myself. "'Cept they locked me up. "'But don't worry about me, Jean Louise Finch. "'There are ways of doing things you don't know about.' Why I'll build me a little house and take me a couple rumors and gracious, I'll have the finest lot yard in Alabama. Those bellographs I'll look plain puny when I when I get started. Jem and I looked at each other. How'd it catch, Miss Maudie, He asked. I don't know, Jem. Probably the flu in the kitchen. I kept a fire in there last night for my potted plants. Here you had some unexpected company last night, Miss Jean Louise. How'd you know? "'Atticus told me on his way to town this morning. "'Tell you the truth, I'd like to have been with you, "'and I would had seen enough to turn around, too. "'Miss Mottie puzzled me. "'With most of her possessions gone "'and her beloved yard in shambles, "'she still took a lively and cordial interest "'in Jem's and my affairs. "'She must have seen my, my perplexity. "'She said, "'Only thing I worried about last night "'was all the danger and commotion it caused.' This whole neighborhood could have gone up. Mr. Avery will be in bed for a week. He's right stove up. He's too old to do things like that, and I told him so. Soon as I can get my hands clean, and when Stephanie Crawford's not looking, I'll make him a lane cake. That Stephanie's been after my recipe for 30 years, and if she thinks I'll give it to her just because I'm staying with her, she's got another thing coming. I reflected that if Miss Maudie broke down and gave it to her, Miss Stephanie couldn't follow it anyway. Miss Maudie had once let me see it. Among other things, the recipe called for one large cup of sugar.